This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Quite a few sports to cover here on the program. We'll look at what's coming up this weekend. Baseball out in California. Softball started off another busy weekend with a near historical event on Thursday night turned into a bit of a bummer, but we'll still give you plenty of highlights from that. And some highlights, especially the end of the first half, which did end the men's basketball team. You'll hear from Brian Gregory and Tyler Harris, who played his last game as a bullet. It was pretty memorable, but the rest of the game, not so much after about 10 minutes gone in it. We'll also set you up for what's happening this weekend as far as Selection Sunday for the women's team goes and maybe a little bit more of an optimistic outlook than we had on our Wednesday show after we did not do a show on Thursday. The championship game last night, congratulations to the East Carolina Pirates, the team that was picked to finish in last place in the conference, is going to the NCAA tournament as the conference champion. What a wild game that was, and we'll give you a little bit of what happened there. Golf, tennis, track and field when it comes to the indoor championship meet. A whole lot happening, and we'll lay it all out for you. Unfortunately, the end of the season for men's basketball as they went up against an East Carolina team that they had beaten twice pretty easily, pretty handily in conference play. You know what they say about trying to beat a team three times, but sure looked like they were ready if you think the Bulls just showed up and laid an egg. Uh, here's evidence to the contrary, up to the point where things did change. Harris between the legs. Now he steps back, launches a long three, and that's good. Tyler Harris from almost on the logo. You'll love to see it when Tyler gets going from long range. It's almost like he, he doesn't feel like he can miss. So his confidence right now is pretty high. Ten makes from beyond the arc in the two games earlier this season against this bunch. With 13 and a half to go in this first half, the Bulls with the three-point lead and the ball. Tyler has picked up his dribble, gets it to Sam Hines. Sam, between the legs, dribble outside the three-point arc. Now to Keyshawn Bryant, who just checked in. Fires a three right off the bench and makes it. Keyshawn Bryant, who had 30 in the game against Tulsa. Well, he's found his mojo early in Texas. Found his mojo, and when he gets going from three, it could be major issues for the Pirates. Tyler on the right wing is going to catch and shoot three. Good! Splash down, and he points at the floor where he just made it. Next to R.J. Felton, Tyler Harris has two triples, and the Bulls lead 17-8. to eight. USF has made six of their last seven shots. Here's Felton, triple team, dumped inside to Luigi DeBow, knocks a man over. That's offensive. It was Tyler Harris that <laughs> stepped in front of the big fella, and boy, did he take the brunt of that, and he's celebrating on the floor. Wow, I've never seen Tyler Harris so emotional on defense. He is so happy to draw the charge. Felton Miguel, shot clock at nine, gets a high screen, drifting right. Now he's going to go to the basket, dumps it inside to Chiwa. Layup is good, and there's a foul on ECU. That play worked to perfection. Yeah, if you're if you're going off the scouting report, Selton Miguel's going all the way to the basket, and he's going to shoot that shot. Here's Russ at the free throw line, lets it fly, and it's good. 10.33 to go in this opening half, and the Bulls lead 20-10. to 10. You had East Carolina missing shots. You had a double-figure lead, as you just heard and things were okay. Now, if you listen to Wednesday's show, we chronicled in detail how a unheralded player, but at least one that scores around nine points a game, Curtisha Dean, kind of hit the shot of the game against the women's basketball team midway through the third quarter. I'm not going to play the highlight again, but the Bulls had gone on an 11-0 run to get down to within two in a game they had been down 30-15 to in. And Dean, who had in four previous conference tournament games in her life, never scored 
had hit a three in the first half, hits one at the shot clock buzzer, and then that just sparked her to nine points quickly, and all of a sudden, Wichita State had its confidence back. Well, like I said, at least Curtisha Dean, first of all, had scored some points and is a starting player. And by the way, just so you know, in their next game against Houston, she led the Shockers with 15 points. So it was a little bit fluky, but not nearly as fluky as what happened Thursday afternoon in Fort Worth against the Bulls. A player who Jim Lighthall didn't even know how to pronounce the name of, nor should he have, because he only averaged one point a game. Yep, you heard me. Sparks the Pirates. How could the Bulls have been ready for that? And certainly, how could they have been ready for shots to start banking in, including at the first half buzzer? You don't plan on this happening, and it's hard to recover from. Here's when the game changed. Here's Miguel on the perimeter. Looks for a screen from Russell Chiwa. Crosses over. Now he crosses over again. Gets to the hoop, and it's good. Wow, he just undressed the defense. Yeah, a lot of very clever moves by Selton Miguel as he went left, went right, went back right again. Seven minutes to go first half. Felton stopped at the elbow. Another left side pass. Jump shot is good. Kasen Ungna. <laughs> the one guy you hoped yeah. wouldn't make yeah. a shot. Yeah. Here's Keyshawn Bryant with an offensive foul. And any contact right now in East Carolina is flinging themselves backwards. And they're getting the calls. To Tyler Harris. Sets his feet. Fires for three. Good. Tyler Harris right in front of the East Carolina bench. And trust me, number two just told him about it. Conwell got a piece of that. Here comes Tyler back the other way. Behind the back. Now behind the back again. He gets knocked down as he tried to split two guys and turns it over. Here comes Felton the other way. They throw a lob caught and dunked by Jaden Walker. Walker's asking for a high screen. He's going to step back. Launch a three. That's good. And the first lead of the game for East Carolina, 30 to 29, and they are seeing a big basket. This is a very critical th last three minutes of the first half here for USF. They've blown the lead, which was 10. And now with three minutes to go, they just give up another three. Hassan Ungnai with the triple, his second of the game. And now you're talking about a guy there who averages one point per game. Walker drives in against Tyler Harris, elevates, and that's way off. Oh, oh he my. banked it in. Well, that shot was way off, and I guarantee he didn't plan on banking that. And Walker has 13. 35-31. Inside to Russell Chiwa. Ball above his head, throws it inside, and Jameer Chaplin got free for a two-handed dunk. How about the big fellow with the pass there? Nice assist by Russ. Good look, and Chaplin dunks at home. Four-point game. Four seconds to go. ECU with the basketball. Two seconds to go. They launch a three, and a foul that banked in. Oh, my God. What a first half by ECU. Over the last 10 minutes, Selton Miguel with a foul. Oh, this is when you know things are going yeah. your way. Yeah. That was right in front of us. Just a complete prayer that banked in, and Selton Miguel gets whistled for the foul. Half, Chance for a four-point play. Half a second to go. Kasan Ungnai was the guy, and that's his third three of the half. He's got a career high in the first half. He makes the free throw to complete the four-point play, and Joey the Bulls, after completely dominating this game for the first 10 minutes, completely got outplayed in the next 10 minutes and trail 41-33. to Almost inconceivable how this game has flipped. Games do turn in college basketball. It happens all the time. Last night you had Caleb Murphy and DePaul on the verge of upsetting Xavier, and Xavier was down by 14 but came back and won that game. I mean, it happens. But Kasan Gunai, who... Good guy, actually replied to me on Twitter and sounds like a wonderful young man. Started off his career at Navy, played two years, didn't play as a freshman, averaged three points as a sophomore, didn't play as a junior, 
appeared in five games off the bench for East Carolina as a walk-on until this year and as a graduate student, had scored a career-high seven points, had not made a three-pointer since November the 21st, had not made but a total of two all year, and as you heard, made three in a span of about seven minutes, including a bank shot to end the first half. Here's Brian Gregory on the fateful twist. First on the defensive end, we weren't as active and alert as we needed to be. They got a couple transition baskets with our lack of rotation back on the, on the shot, and that, that hurt us. They got to the free throw line during that stretch as well. We had a couple quality defensive stops where we fouled them in the last five or six seconds. And then just, you know, that the last play was just a, a lapse of concentration. It was kind of that, the, uh-oh, he's got the ball, and, and we follow him, and he, he makes, the, makes the shot. But I, I thought we got um, a little bit out of our game plan on the defensive end. And then on the other end of the, of the, of the court, we had some good looks and, and didn't make them, but then kind of got out of, out of, as I always say, out of sorts there where we weren't moving the ball as well and getting that ball reversed. We got the ball into the paint the first 12 minutes quite a bit on ball reversals and drives. Got some good shots, got some offensive rebounds. You know, wanted to get the ball in the post. They did a good job playing bigger and and, and helping in in the post on Russell. You know, we had a really good execution on a high-low that we just turned it over. There was a couple of those plays, and, and when you add that to the defense, it was kind of a perfect storm those last eight minutes. Of course, you still have a half to overcome it if you can, but it was just too much. And East Carolina, to the point, going back to the Wichita State women's basketball player, the confidence that was gained by the end of the first half just carried on over. Raymond Felton hits a couple of back-to-back threes in a span of less than 30 seconds for a 13-point lead. At that specific moment, East Carolina was hitting 55% from the floor, and really only one bull had a good second half. And it's fitting to wrap up our highlights from the season with a Tyler Harris three, and then Coach Gregory on Harris. And I love what Tyler had to say post-game. Very classy about his season at USF. Harris tries to answer with a long three off the back rim. Tipped around. Russell Chiwa ends up with it. Back to Harris. Loads up another three. And that what could be his last shot of his career is good. A sixth made three-pointer by Tyler Harris. Well, certainly would be appropriate if that is yeah. his last shot that it's a made three-pointer because he has really shined brightly for the Bulls in his one season after transferring from Memphis. Tyler now has 26 points. Leads all scorers today. And he's going to set a record that might not be touched for a long, long time for USF with 97 made three-pointers. I think, obviously, he's put himself in good position for the next step in terms of the, the type of year that he had where he demonstrated his ability to play with the ball in his hands quite a bit, distribute as well. He led us in assists this year. You know, he's got a unique trait. You know, there's not a guy in the country who wouldn't take six for 14 from the from the three, and on those eight misses, you think everyone's still going in. So he did a great job of utilizing that extra year, finding the right fit, and then, you know, a lot of guys do that, but a lot of guys then don't make the changes necessary that you need to make to to take a big jump. They just think sometimes changing schools is going to make the difference. It puts you in a position, but then you got to do your job, and and Tyler did that this year, and that's why he had – his best overall season of his career. He gets all the credit for that with the work that he's that he's put in. And he's he is ready for the next step, whatever that whatever that holds. I feel like the impact I left, I'm a guard, I'm a small guard. 
I'm a scoring guard facilitator. I know for sure I left an impact on Coach Brian Griggy that if you're a good guard, he's going to let you play your game. I check my Instagram every day. It's, it's top guards around the country. They, they already DM me. Like, they got the seasons. Coach going to want me. Like, I, I see the position you in. So, so I just feel like the impact I just left, like, I help USL far as guards and guys who want to come off and, and, and buy in and play the right way, they're going to want to come to USF because they seen me come in to do it. And I had a very good season. So, that's for sure. Just impact. For sure. It's, it's way more than better than it was now. USF been all over social media this year. It was just the first year. I wish we had more time together. But I guess our time has run out, but that's the impact for sure. Definitely did not want to move along to other things until we mentioned Tyler Harris. Average right nearly 17 points. And as you heard, almost certainly his only season for the Bulls. And yes, I know it. You're asking the question, will Brian Gregory still be the head coach? That's certainly something we'll address. If you were listening to his post game, he went in detail about the future of the roster as sounding like a coach that thinks he's coming back. But obviously, we'll see. It was a disappointing year as the Bulls finish 14 and 18. But we definitely carry on with plenty of sports. Softball last night, plenty of games for them this weekend. Baseball's had its schedule adjusted. Both tennis teams are playing. We've got Selection Sunday to glimpse forward to. We also have women's golf, so we'll look forward to all of that when we come back on Bulls Beat. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. Before we get to softball from last night and look forward to the weekend in full, looking forward to Selection Sunday. I'll be there at the Yingling Center. We'll actually pop live in on the air and let you know where they end up. The latest bracketologist projections, that's Charlie Cream on ESPN.com, have the Bulls in the seventh seed going to Stores, Connecticut. That would be interesting. And it was really good to see that their loss against Wichita State did not plummet them in the rankings. It only felt like it would, right? But the Bulls still had a great overall season, or 26-6, and six, and are right in line for somewhere around seven or an eight seed. If they're an eight seed, they're going to a number one seed. Can't look past their first opponent. But now for three days running, Charlie Cream has had the Bulls as a seven going to Stores, Connecticut, and playing Mississippi State, where UConn, of course, would be the potential second-round opponent. We'll find out what's going on there on Sunday night, and we'll have a full roundup for you on Monday's show. Wherever the Bulls go, I will be going with them, so we'll have the action for you on Bulls Unlimited. East Carolina won last night. We'll recap that for you at the end of the hour as we'll spend a handful of minutes going around the American. Last night on USF Bulls Unlimited, it looked like the Bulls were in for not just a win, but a special win. They've been Pulling off a lot of special wins, a lot of close ones in their streak of winning eight games in nine. And last night, they were ahead 2-0 going into the six. Start off with the highlights in the second inning. This play made it number four of the day on SportsCenter. And we'll follow that up with the runs for the Bulls against Penn State. Bailey Partial, who is in her fifth year and is going to be their all-time strikeouts leader, and had 22 wins last year, and is not someone who gives up a lot of runs, and two is actually a lot against her. So the Bulls had it going. Here's how it sounded. And that ball was lofted to left field, going to make a play on it, and what a dive there out there in left field. That was outstanding by Bryant, and there are quickly two away, but that was in foul ground and not an easy play by any means. Hallie Bryant, as I said, with her in left and Alexa Galagani, the speedy freshman, and then Hanlon in right field. Not a whole lot is going to get by. Penn State's off to a great start. That ball's drilled, and the shortstop kicks it. And do they send the runner? They should. There's going to be a play at the plate. Here it is, and running home safe is Vaughn, and it is 1-0 Bulls. 
full count to Ortiz Martinez. Oh man, there she goes, rocking one to center field. She can hit singles, but even when she does, those are well lined. The freshman has really showed a dynamite bat. Where's the tribal piece? Looking like she's gonna bunt. What a dandy bunt. Easy out at first, but also just as easily advancing the pinch runner. Boy, not only has Tribal Beast been doing an outstanding job swinging the bat, but giving up herself there. Lauren Beavis is the pinch runner who easily advances. 0-1, runner on second base, one away. Piero whacks it if it jumps in. Oh, what an effort by the second baseman. And rightfully holding up was Beavis. And the only reason it's still one nothing is for the effort of Coombs, but there are runners on the corners and still just one out. It's a single for Piero. So now, number seven in the order, Ryan Eigman. First pitch she saw, she whacked a walk-off triple for the Bulls a couple of days ago to secure the sweep of a doubleheader. And she is whacking that first pitch she sees for an RBI single. She swings a confident bat, and the Bulls transfer from Central Connecticut State, comes through, and it's two to nothing. She does not get cheated. She's not going to be one that settles into it bats. If she sees something she likes, Ryan Eigenman is going to swing on it. So a lot of good stuff there, starting with the Bryant catch. And you heard many of the hitters, some transfers, Eigenman, tribal piece, some freshmen, Ortiz Martinez, and even Piero of late who have been coming on and getting the job done. So certainly felt like a win was in the cards for the Bulls. And speaking of getting the job done, I was doing mine not mentioning the fact that Peyton Dixon had not given up a hit in this contest. Now, she had walked some, and unfortunately, those eventually caught up to her, along with, again, unfortunately, a two-out error that opened the door for Penn State. Here's how it all went down in the top of the sixth. Hit 250 last year, but did hit nine home runs. you got to be careful with her. And sharply right to third base, long throw across, and it's dropped at first base. And there are runners on the corners. Well, they're in business, and they do call that an error on the throw. Yeah, that went up pretty quickly on the scoreboard. First and third, so a full count. Peyton Dixon has got something going here. Has walked a few, including one in this inning. Has just had a would-be third out in the top of the sixth inning get thrown away for an error. Those are the only base runners for Penn State. Can she keep it that way on three and two? Nope. Ball four. A fourth walk for Dixon loads them up. And that's a nice job by Jones. Two and one bases loaded, two outs. Let's see if that error does not hurt the Bulls. Ball is drilled, shortstop, tough hop, makes the play. Tribal piece is going to hang on to the ball. And that is going to be the first run of the game for Penn State. That should be a base hit. And it's two to one. Eight up tribal piece would have been a difficult play if she had fielded it cleanly. She could have made the force out even at home there. But she hung on to the ball, and it's two to one. Boy, if she had fielded it cleanly, she could have gone to any bag looking at it. Oh, man, they call that an error. It was well hit. I'll look at it again to see if it was an easy play or not. If it was right to the shortstop, I guess you have to call it an error. Now your concern is to keep the lead. Lauren Marcotte came in just a 171 hitter. Marcotte has popped up twice in the infield. Two to one balls, top of the sixth inning here. Penn State, one run in and the base is loaded. And that ball's drilled and that's gonna give them the lead. Actually could have a play at the plate. 
Decent throw, but Penn State takes the lead. First hit of the game, and it's a big one. They actually get the out at third with the runner trying to advance Morrison. So Penn State gets the lead on the two-run single by Lauren Marcotte. Three under and runs, but the first hit of the game, no doubt about it. Doesn't get any easier today. At 2 o'clock, I'll be back on the air. We'll sort of set out the full schedule for you. Illinois has played a very strong schedule. NCAA tournament team last year. Comes to town 12-6 and six, and comes into this game 13-6 and six after routing FGCU 9 to nothing on a warm Friday morning. I mentioned the warmth because it could actually impact the Bulls in a positive way. Sydney Sickles is Illinois' all-time strikeouts leader, and she pitched the first five innings on Friday morning. I'm sure we'll see Sickles either today or tomorrow, but perhaps not Friday afternoon. Airtime, 2 o'clock. There's a handful of games both Friday and Saturday. The Bulls actually play Illinois again tomorrow at 4, and then Marist tomorrow night. We will not be doing broadcast on Saturday as I have some family time set aside. We'll be back on Sunday afternoon as the Bulls face St. Francis. Interesting that St. Francis is getting to play Penn State. They're of course, both from PA have played plenty of times, but never away from Penn State. This will be the first neutral meeting. And the Bulls, reason they're playing Illinois twice with FGCU at this event, by the way, is because they've already played FGCU, took a double header from them a couple Wednesdays ago. Bulls are 12 and 11 entering today's action. Baseball is 4 and 9, but feeling like it has an opportunity this weekend, especially coming off that win against Pittsburgh on Tuesday night. They play Long Beach State. I know. Wouldn't mind being on that trip to sunny Long... Wait a second. I guess it's not going to be sunny. Of all the series that the Bulls would play this year, this is the one I would not have predicted gets moved around due to heavy rains in the forecast. That's what's on the agenda for Long Beach, California, apparently on Friday. So the Bulls will play a doubleheader against the Dirtbags. Yeah, that's what they want to be called. They are the Dirtbags. The Bulls will play them at 1 and 6 o'clock. That's... West Coast time, so 4 and 9, we'll be watching them on Saturday. And then Sunday is a 4 o'clock doubleheader. Long Beach State is 7 and 4, actually took 2 of 3 from Wichita at the beginning of the season, won a series against Seattle, then came on to Greenville, North Carolina, and left 3 and 0, including a win against East Carolina in a route of Georgetown and Indiana. On Tuesday night, Played the number 10 team in the country tight, UCLA, and only lost 7-6. to six. So another very difficult opponent for Billy Moles. Bulls saw they had a chance to tour Dodger Stadium with their fluorescent tennis shoes, by the way. Check out Coach Moles' Twitter page for that. So again, two games for the Bulls in Long Beach on Saturday and another one on Sunday. And a couple of by-the-ways on that one. Long Beach's top hitter definitely has the best name of any team's top hitter so far. Rocco Pepe. He's hitting 391 and leads their team with a peppy 15 RBI. And Northeastern, after clubbing so many home runs and sweeping the Bulls, didn't hit a home run Tuesday, but did go to Duke against a 9-3 Blue Devils team and pulled off a 2-1 win. Northeastern is now 9-1. Like I said, the Bulls have played a very rugged schedule, as have both tennis teams. And two things for the men this weekend. They can actually, and it's not going to be easy, but with three matches in two days, get back to 500. And you can actually watch them for the first time since January 22nd. Ashley Fisher's squad is at home. They went through a rough stretch, losing a lot of tight ones. And they most recently on Monday, a match we didn't actually recap for you on the show now that I come to think of it, but got beat by a highly ranked Texas A&M 7-0. However, the Bulls have three winnable matches at home. 
Very smart scheduling against Pacific on Saturday at 10 a.m. So the Tigers, actually, they've been in Florida. They got shut out by FAU a couple days ago, but they'll still be on early body clock time. Then in the afternoon against a 500 NC Wilmington team. And then on Sunday, they'll play at 1.30 against future conference foe UAB, which actually has the best record of the three opponents, 10 and 4. The women are 5-5. Five and five. They played a strong schedule. As you're hearing this, they were taking on VCU in Jacksonville. The Rams came into that one 3-6, so a chance to get above 500 and maybe to stay there if they can take down the host Ospreys on Saturday. Friday evening, it'll be Nia Robinson, the transfer from Jamaica, competing in the indoor national track and field meet in Albuquerque. Her competition in the long jump begins at 4 o'clock Mountain, so 6 o'clock Eastern, and Romaine Beckford goes for a potential national championship in the men's high jump. That competition is on Saturday afternoon. Also Saturday morning in Augusta, Georgia is when the women's tennis squad gets into action. The Valspar Augusta Invitational, another 54-hole event after tying a school record for a 54-hole score in Dallas. This is an even tougher field. Includes number two Wake Forest, FSU, Oklahoma State, both also in the top 20, and Florida and Duke also in the top 25. Schools like Ole Miss, Alabama, Virginia Tech, this is going to be a challenge. We'll see how the Bulls do. But that's going to wrap up the Friday Bulls Beat. I'm Derek Sharp.